fight. I love that song. I love the way that it ends there. With the, I can't do anything until you give up your fight. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding on WGNW 95.7, The Choice in Asheville, 957thechoice.com on the web. Uh, I'm John Green. I'm your host of Faith Seeking Understanding. I'm the senior pastor at Christ Anglican Church, which meets in Asheville at 81 Patton Avenue, which is the location of Creatures Cafe. And we meet at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday afternoons, and we invite you to come and join us. And uh, I promise that, that you will be glad that you did. Uh, if you want to know more about the church, go to wwwchrist dash anglican.com if you want to know more about the show or if you want to interact with the show then i invite you to go to facebook at facebook.com slash faith and understanding and you'll find the uh, facebook page for the site and i invite you there to interact with me during the show and send me any uh, questions or comments that you have during the show tonight we're talking about things that have to do with culture and and specifically right now we're talking about um, the cultural battle that's being waged in the last several days over the issue of Dan Cathy's um, endorsement of traditional marriage in America and the response that was poured out against him in some circles and then in support of him in in other circles but what I want us to engage with is where does this come from? What is the problem? What is the problem not just in other people's lives, but what's the problem in my life? And so what I want to do is I want to spend a little bit of time now in this next segment looking at um, my favorite passage from the Bible, and that is Genesis 3, believe it or not. But Genesis 3 is an important thing for us to come to grips with. And Genesis 3 is when they're in the garden and the serpent comes to Eve and says to the woman, did God actually say to you, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. And as I've said before, the, the, the thing is, is that when she says, neither shall you touch it, then he knows that she doesn't know exactly what's been said because that Adam built a fence around the law. He had been given a commandment, and the commandment was not to eat of that tree. And and like a good rabbi would, he built a fence around it. He, he raised the bar a little bit higher. He wanted her to stay even further away from the tree than simply not eating of the tree. No, you've got to stay far enough away from it that you don't even touch it. Just, just keep away from it. And we do that all the time. We do that with our children uh, when we want them to, to do something about what we say, we build the fence a little higher and keep them a little further away. We keep people further away than from, you know, nuclear installations, for instance. We're going to keep people further away from those than we have to because it's safer if we keep them further away and we build a barrier between the barrier and the thing we want to prohibit. So that's what we do. And so that's what Adam has clearly done. And then the serpent, though, sees an opening, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, if, if God is truly good, why has he kept something from you? He's prohibited this in order that you're not like him. 
because, of course, literally the only thing that would separate us from the God who had created everything is obviously the knowledge of good and evil. Because if we had that knowledge, surely we'd be able to speak and create everything that was, too. No, but that appealed to her to be like God. And so she now has a desire. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was delight to the eyes and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. There was a desire. And the difference between humans, one of the differences, certainly, between humans and the rest of creation is, is that, that the rest of creation is expected to operate at the level of desire. And so we are not. We are intended to operate at the level of being able to hear and know and understand the will of God, the law of God. We're, we are set up in such a way that we, op, we, we are supposed to operate according to God's instruction manual. Because he's the only one who truly knows what's best for us. Because he created us. Because he created all else that's here. And so he's the only one who truly knows how the machine that is me operates best and he has given us his spirit at uh, um, at creation in order that we can interact with him that we can speak with him communicate with him in a way that's not available to the animals and so he can give us commandments in a way that he doesn't give commandments to the animals and so when the serpent speaks the serpent is speaking as a serpent you have a desire right there's something that would be good for you and if it's good for you, why would God prohibit it? And, and just fulfill your desire for this. And so what we see from Eve is she sees that the tree was good for food. It was a delight to the eyes, and it was to be desired to make one wise. There are three different desires that are being gratified. It was good for food, it was a delight to the eyes, and it was desired to make one wise. And so what happens is she exchanges the image of God and acts as a creature, acts at the level of, I have desires, I will gratify those desires. But the serpent is simply thinking like a serpent. You have a desire, right? There's a means of gratifying that desire, right? Right? Well, who created you? God did. That's right. God created you. Therefore, God must somehow be responsible for the desire. And he's also provided for the satisfaction of the desire in the tree. So, why would he prohibit you from satisfying a desire that he's given you and he's given you the means by which it can be satisfied? So why would God? Surely he actually does want you to take of that. He just doesn't want you to be like him. He wants to keep things the way they are. He likes being God. He doesn't want you to take any steps in his direction. So God maybe isn't all that good because remember, he created you. So the desire that you have is something he created, and he created the means of satisfying the desire. So what's the problem? Just eat, and you won't really die. That's not true. And I don't think he knew. I don't think he had any idea whether she was going to die or not. It didn't matter to him. He wins either way. If she dies, then, well, she's done. And if she doesn't, She sent. There's separation between her and God. So he doesn't care whether she does it or not. So you're not going to die. 
And then, as I've said, she took of the fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her idiot husband who was there with her, and he ate as well. And I, my speculation on that, and it's just speculation, is is that he saw her eat, and she didn't die, so, huh, maybe God isn't telling the truth. Maybe he's not good. Maybe that's the problem. God isn't actually good. And therefore, what have I got to lose? I'll go ahead and eat too, because she didn't die. Well, Death obviously meant something more than physical, immediate death. There is another death, and that's brought on by sin, and we know that. We know the answer to that. And so when they've done this, and then God comes, finds them, they've you know, clothed themselves with fig leaves or whatever it is, and they've, they've sewn them together and hidden themselves because they, their eyes were open and they knew they were naked. When he speaks, when he, God, speaks to the woman and, and pronounces judgment against her, he says, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, and in pain you shall bring forth children. But then the next thing is, your desire shall be for your husband, but he shall rule over you. So there's going to be an unfulfilled desire that he is now telling her about that is being brought on because of the sin. Her desire will be for her husband, but he will rule over her. So skip forward now to Genesis 4. Adam knew Eve, his wife. She conceived and bore Cain, saying, it's interesting, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. She's given God some of the credit for this, um, but not full credit. I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Abel was a keeper of sheep, Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And that's where I think the distinction comes in, is uh, Abel offers the best of what he has, and Cain offers some of the fruit of the ground. But there's also, I think, something more at stake here. I think the, the real problem is the motivation. Even though it's Cain's idea to bring this sacrifice, um, I think the motivation is wrong. He's doing it as sort of a, a magic or an appeasement. God's allowed me to get some stuff, so I'm going to bring him some stuff. And if I keep bringing him stuff, then he'll keep giving me stuff. And that's how other Religions worked, actually. That's exactly what Baal worship, for instance, was about. It was about appeasing a God in order that he would continue to bless you. And that's not the relationship God had with his people. It wasn't, you know, hey, if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. And so that's not the way God intended that relationship to work. He wanted them to love him. He wanted them to, to value him. And he wanted to share in their joy, and he wanted them to share in his joy. And we see that in a parable that Jesus tells that we'll talk about later. So anyway, the, the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do well, won't you be accepted? And if you don't do well, well, sin is crouching at your door, and its desire, there's that word again, is for you, but you must rule over it. Remember the judgment against Eve was, your desire will be for your husband, but he shall rule over you. And what he's saying here to Cain is, its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. It's exactly the same thing that God said to Eve. Uh, it's exactly the same bunch of words, at least, that God said to Eve. And so... Uh, there's an issue of desire. We have a desire problem. We have a serious desire problem, in fact. And so we've got to deal with that desire problem. 
we have many desires. Not all of those are best for us if we fulfill them. There are desires that are hardwired into us, is what this tells me, that we, in fact, need to press down, that we have to rule over those desires. We can't allow them to be gratified. And I believe it's because those, the satisfaction of those desires isn't best for us. I don't think God ever intended us to be passive. We are not simply automatons. We are not computers that he's programmed and said, this is the way you're going to be programmed, and therefore anything that you're programmed to do is fine for you to do. No, I think what he's saying is, from the beginning, is, is, is that you need to lean on me. You need to walk with me. In all things, you need to ask me, is this good? But instead, we chose to get the knowledge of good and evil somewhere other than him. We chose to get it from fruit. And so the fact that we chose to get it from fruit means that we're always going to try and get it from fruit. We're going to try and get the knowledge of good and evil somewhere else. And we're always going to do that. And especially when God's word says something's not good and, well... We like doing that thing that's not good. We, we like it a lot. We, we like to, you know, get drunk, party, whatever. I mean, whatever that is, we're going to still seek some other guidance. We're going to seek some other place of getting the knowledge of good and evil other than from God's word. But what he says is, no, there's stuff that's in you that you have to rule over. There are desires that you've got to deal with. And so those things... Sexual desires is the biggest issue I think almost all people have to deal with. I mean, hardly anybody is immune to dealing with the issues of sexual desire. Teenage boys, I mean, it's awful to be a teenage boy because you're constant. That's all you are. You're you're just a sexual desire that seeks to be gratified. And it's hard to argue with a teenage boy and say, no, you shouldn't do that because it's so vivid and so real, but it's something that needs to be pressed down, and it's something that we need to get mastery over. One of my favorite sayings by one of my favorite people, Dallas Willard, is grace is opposed to earning but not to effort, and that's a problem sometimes in the church because the reality is that we are saved by grace. I can't earn my salvation. Nothing I can do can earn my salvation. But the reality, Willard says, is, is, is that that's exactly right. But it is not opposed to the effort of ruling over the desires in your life that are unruly and need to be ruled over. And so that's what's God, what's God saying here to Cain. And Cain made no effort to rule over those desires and those desires ended up consuming him and he killed his brother because the hatred that Jesus talked about gave birth to the murder of his son we're at the top of the hour and so it's time to do the legal ID but it's also time then to um, to play another song and so we're going to play a song called after the ID we're going to play uh, another song from Reckless Mercy's CD
so bad to hear affirmation from my mother. You see, their dreams began when we were little boys. Wanting sometimes to fulfill their dreams that were destroyed. Drawn by the accomplishments of man To the degree in which you follow me Is the measure of a man This path alone, but I am leading you. Hold fast to what I've shown. No, it's not DNA that turns you become. And remember, it's my blood that's running through your veins. What I have given you is no gift of any man. Sure, an oracle of my being speaks to the heart of man. Surely not your home. 